Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A show where a nerd fits in. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Toys, movies, comics, and so much more. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And the more that you listen, the more that you know. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to a Wednesday. And if you're listening today, this is uploaded. It is a June 7th. This is episode number 1268. Right next to me is... Hi, I am your host, Patrick Riley. I am the villain of the story. And right next to me is Kimmy. She is the worst person in the world. I've been with her for centuries. Things I've seen her do. Oh, yeah. And I can tell you about those things I've seen her do. Just can't tell you about them here on this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Just ask me at one of our upcoming appearances, like at the... Orlando Toy and Comic Con Summer Fan Event happening on Sunday, June 25th. There I can I can tell all, Kimmy. Mm. Yes, I can tell all. That's at the Orlando Toy and Comic Con Summer Fan Event. We look forward to seeing you. That is Sunday, June 25th, happening at the Holiday Inn out on North Alafaya Trail in Orlando, Florida. Stop on by and say hello, and I'll, I'll tell you some things. Mm. Yeah, I, I will. And by the way, stop on by and meet some really, really, just I mean, cool artists. Have your books in hand. Get ready to get signed from Tony S. Daniel. And also writer-artist Kyle Starks of, well, fame from Rick and Morty. And he has other material available, too. That's right, like Sex Castle and Rock Candy Mountain. That's just some of the material available mm-hmm. from Kyle. Stop on by this fun event at the Orlando Toy and Comic-Con. It's going on starting at 10 o'clock, Run still 5. Tell your friends about it. You can find out more right on the Facebook page of the Orlando Toy and Comic-Con. Big thank you going out to Mike Priest, the show promoter, for inviting the Riley and Kimmy Show to be part of this fun nerd event. We hope to see you, if you are vacationing, by the way, in greater Orlando. This is very easy to get to. Very nice location, free parking, right, Kimmy? That's right, yes. free. And also, you won't—it won't be congested like a really big convention will be. So you'll be able to spend some time with both artists, mm-hmm. and you'll—you'll—you you just won't be—you know, you won't be urged on, you know, or feel like you're pressured and things like that. Very mm-hmm. low-key environment, safe for the entire family. A lot of collectibles available too, current stuff too, like pop vinyls. That's all happening at the Orlando Toy and Comic-Con Fan Event happening Sunday, June 25th. Now, the day before that, if you are in Central Florida, maybe over in the Tampa area, Orlando, part of Greater Orlando is Ocoee, Florida. And Kyle Starks of Rick and Morty fame will be appearing at Highlander Novelties 
starting at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. That is June 24th until 4 in the afternoon. He will be signing. Might even be uh, sketching doing his watercolor stuff, I'm told. Mm. Really cool place to be. That is Highlander Novelties. Store owner Christian invited the Riley and Kimmy Show to be part of this, and we hope you will swing on by both events. By the way, it is a free event to attend the Highlander Novelties event. You don't have to pay admission. It's, it's free. has free parking, too, there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Very easy to get to. We had no problem finding it, did we? No. GPS was our friend. Yes. Got us right there. Mm-hmm. So we'd love to see you at both locations. That's Highlander Novelties on Saturday, June 24th, and the Orlando Toy and Comic Con on Sunday, June 25th. You can find out more about the Saturday event at Highlander Novelties. Just check out their Facebook page. That's Highlander Novelties. And by the way, go to our Facebook page to be updated on events that we're at. Matter of fact, the best way to actually find out more is go right to our website, to our event page. We have that listed every place we're going. It is not set in concrete. And if you'd like to add to it, if you have a nerd event or maybe an animal event you would like us to be part of and promote, we have a we have a show just that's yeah, it's totally dedicated to animals and pets. That's called Animal Special. You can find the event information and archived episodes, celebrity interviews, video interviews, and nerd news all available on our website. And what is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com It's a Wednesday, June 7th. How would you like to play nerd and pop culture trivia, Kimmy? Yeah. Nerd timeline has been adjusted. It's all all over the place. It's been uh, it's been shaken up a little bit. It's not in chronological or linear order. Feel free to shout out answers to Kimmy. Yell at whatever listening device you're uh, sampling the Riley and Kimmy show on. It could be anything. We are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. So feel free to yell at that laptop, desktop, tablet, or smartphone, or smartwatch if you're listening on one of those. And I guess that is possible. Kimmy believes in time travel answers. She thinks they just pop from you, who's listening now, to back to us as we record this. It, it works sometimes. I am amazed. Very first question we have for Kimmy is in her favorite category. The very first question we have for her is in the world of music. Kimmy, give me the year within two years that Prince's first single, Soft and Wet, was released. That is within two years. When was that first released? Um, 1978. How did you know that? Do you have that? No. Well, how did you know it was 1978? Um, just an educated guess. Well, in other words, she's very smart. Okay, moving over to something else that happened on this date in history, Kimmy. The first president to appear on color television did so on this date in history. The question is, who was the first United States president to appear on color television? FDR? No. JFK? No. But the answer is the person before John Fitzgerald Kennedy. It was Eisenhower. 1955. He was the first to appear on Color TV. Give me the year, Kimmy, within five. Sony Corporation unveils a brand new consumer home videotape recorder. You heard right. VTR, not VCR. 
This unit was a black and white unit. Sold for $995. You give me the year that this happened. Nineteen sixty. Close, almost, but not quite there. Nineteen sixty-six is when that happened, and I believe one of their big uh, individuals or one of their big uh, consumers at that time period. Matter of fact, I know it was from reading history and seeing things about this individual is Bob Crane. He really he he dug that, started mm-hmm. investing in video recording equipment. That was 1966. You ever see those big VTRs? They ever have those in school or anything for you? Those mm, consumer ones? I don't know. Oh, they were monsters. I worked at a uh, electronic repair place that was actually a dinosaur by the time I worked at it because it, we were in the getting into the time period where stuff should not should be but would be thrown away as opposed to being repaired because it was just as expensive to repair it as it was to buy a replacement. But I encountered some of those giant big VTRs. Now, when I worked in television, first television station I worked at, well, first couple of TV stations I worked at, we were using those big, big reels. Still, they were, cons- they were not uh, consumer units. Those were industrial ones, giant ones. But they had these big ones for home, big tape. Mm. Just a monster. Very heavy. Next question for you, Kimmy. Graceland Mansion opens in Memphis, Tennessee. They open the doors as a tourist attraction. The question for you is, whose home was Graceland Mansion, and what year did they do this within five? Elvis Presley. Yes. Um, 1980. Is somebody shouting this stuff out to you? How do you know this one? Just an educated guess. Okay, Smarty. It's 1982 that happened. And side note, you might be a little disappointed, Kimmy. The bathroom where Elvis died five years earlier is kept off limits. Mm. I've toured, been on a tour of Graceland. I know you've never, never been there. It's kind of amazing how narrow the, especially the stair, uh, stairway going down to the jungle room and stuff was. Mm. Really narrow. Hmm. 1776, Richard Henry Lee of Virginia proposed the Continental Congress a resolution calling for a Declaration of Independence. It was 1892, John Joseph Doyle became the first pinch hitter in baseball. That was when he was used in the game, 1892. 1909, Mary Pickford made her motion picture debut in The Violin Maker of Cremona. And by the way, side note, Jed Clampett of the Beverly Hillbillies, Mary Pickford is his favorite movie star mm. when he bought mammoth studios that was the name of the the you know studio he bought he wanted to do mary pickford movies okay. and explained to him that just was not possible it was on this date kimmy the cover of life magazine showed the latest in campus fashions of the time which included saddle shoes now what year would that be well i'm gonna ask you decade was that the 1930s the 1940s, the 1950s, or the 1960s? 1950s? Incorrect. 1930s, college campuses, saddle mm. shoes, and other stuff. Oh. It was 1937 they did that. You can see the Bobby Soxers, maybe at that time period, maybe just a little bit later, uh, bouncing up and down, and still photos of them in front of Frank Sinatra in their little saddle shoes. Mm. 
It was on this date, Kimmy, the $64,000 question game show appeared on television for the very first time. Was this in the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, or 1970s? 1960s? 1950s is when that happened. It was part of the, uh, eventually part of the game show scandal stuff. And it was actually a popular radio show before that under a different name. Moving over, Kimmy, to Impossible Music Trivia. Although you know this group quite well, I think they will be, I don't think you can identify them at all. 1963, this group's first record was released. Now, the question we have for you, Kimmy, is identify the group. The year is 1963. I can't afford to check it. I wish somebody come along and run it to the record. Everything is wrong. I've been the bath every night I live with. They get the bath every time they fall. Sounds like thunder. Some stupid guy trying to reach another number. Come on. Kimmy is shaking her head, and she's really going to be amazed when I reveal who that group is. Because they would have monster hits shortly after that. British group, Kimmy. That's the Rolling Stones. Their very first single called Come On from 1963. Wow. Yes. It was on this date in 1965 in the United States. Gemini 4 mission was completed. The mission featured the first spacewalk by an American. It was on this date in 1966. Roy Orbison's first wife, Claudette, was killed in a motorcycle accident. It was on this date in 1968. The original Legoland Park opened, and that was in Denmark. 1969, Johnny Cash debuted on his own network show. That was on the CBS network. It was on his date in 1972. The musical Grease opened on Broadway and had been playing off-Broadway for about four months. It was 1976. The NBC Nightly News with John Chancellor and David Brinkley aired for the first time. 1979, Chuck Berry was charged with three counts of tax evasion. And then shortly after that, he performed at the White House by request of President Carter. Yeah, weird stuff, huh? Mm. It was on his date, 1980. This song hits number nine on Billboard's Hot 100. It's playing on pop radio stations throughout the United States. Almost impossible trivia for Kimmy. Now, Kimmy, identify who, or actually, let's do the title first if you can, of this song, and then we'll do with who the artist is. Here is your clue, Kimmy. Tell me the name of this song. Definitely a changing type of music song because it's taking us out of that disco era, getting us into that new wave kind of era and sound of techno. Tell me the name of the song, Kimmy. Cars. Kimmy.
Demi, who is the recording artist who had that as a number nine hit in 1980? Gary Newman. That is impossible. How did you know that? Mm -hmm. Now, I, I do have that on my MP3 player. Do you have that on vinyl by chance? No. Okay. You are a music freak for knowing that. A true audiophile. It was on this date, Kimmy. This artist changed his name to something, well, you couldn't pronounce. It was a, a symbol. Tell me who the artist is, the musician that did that. Prince. That's correct. What year within two years did he do that? 95. You get it. It's 1993 that that happened. 1993, the groundbreaking ceremony was held for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum. Where is that located, Kimmy? Where is that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum located? Ohio. That's correct. Can you be more specific or not? We'll accept Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. That was 1993. I started uh, making that, that happen. It's on his date in 2000. Prince, a celebration party began. That was at his studios, Kimmy. It was a week-long event in celebration of him reclaiming his name after a seven-year battle with Warner Brothers. Moving over to notable and celebrity birthdays. i got to make sure you are paying attention. Are you with mm -hmm. us here? Okay. Here is your question, Kimmy. Before his career in public office, he was a conservative radio and television talk show host. His job now, he is the 48th Vice President of the United States of America. Former Governor of Indiana. Who is he? Mike Pence. That's right. Mike Pence is having a birthday today. How old is he, Kimmy, within five years? Um, 60. You get it within five. He is 58 today. Moving back to the birthday list, Jessica Tandy, born on this date, 1909, died 1995 at the age of 85. Stage and film actress. She appeared in over 100 stage productions and had more than 60 roles in film and television. Next person, tell me who this is that was born on this date. Born 1917, died 1995 at the age of 78. He and Jerry Lewis were partners in a popular comedy team back in the 50s. Dean Martin. That's right. He was a member of the Rat Pack and a star in nightclubs and recordings and concerts and uh, motion pictures and television. Yeah, you might remember him in that Matt Helm stuff, the spoof spy things. I, I hope maybe you've never seen that. And he was the host of a television variety program, The Dean Martin Show, from 1965 to 1974. And then the... The Dean Martin Celebrity Roast from 1974 to 1984. Do you, or did you ever watch any of those? Mm -hmm. You like the Celebrity Roast stuff? Mm -hmm. There is somebody, I can't remember whom, actually has those on, they, they went out and bought them all, the, the roast. Oh, wow. I can't remember who it is. It's one of our friends that loves watching those with his father, because when he was a real little kid, they used to watch those together, so now they watch them together. Like on Sundays when they get together, uh -huh. they pop in a roast and watch it together and have dinner. Oh, cool. That's kind of a cool thing. See if you can identify this singer, this entertainer, Kimmy, and tell me how old he is within five years. We have two audio clues if you need them. Here's clue number one, a 1988 hit for him. You don't have to be beautiful to turn me on. I just need your body, baby, from dusk till dawn. You don't need experience. Jimmy, who is that? Tom Jones. 
I don't believe this. I thought I was going to have to go to Clue 2. Watch out! You might get what you're after. Cool, babies. Strange, but not a stranger. I'm in Northern America. Burning down the house. Yes, give me God a right. It is Tom Jones. How old is Tom Jones today within five years? 70? Uh, he would hug you. He is 77 today. Moving over to somebody else, Kimmy. He uh, was a child actor starting at the age of four, but is best known for an iconic role on this TV show. First of all, identify the TV show he is known for. Leave it to Beaver. That's right. Leave it to Beaver is your answer. You got it right. Now, the person, the mystery person having a birthday, I really don't think you can name him, but we're going to give it a try. I know you can probably name his character, but if you can name him, that's that's bonus points, okay? He played in a supporting role and was in many, many episodes. Here is clue number one. Tell me the name of the character and the actor, if you can, who's having a birthday. Every time I have an argument with my parents, I run upstairs and lock myself in the room. Do you know who that is, or do you need one more clue? Eddie Haskell. Gee, Mrs. Cleaver. Yes, you are right, Kimmy. It is Eddie Haskell. Can you tell me the name of the actor who played Eddie Haskell? No. That's Ken Osmond, who's having a birthday today. He is 74. He was also in Leave it to Beaver's, you know, revival in the 1980s, the new Leave it to Beaver. He was typecast as Eddie and found that he could not get any work after leaving the original series. And he became a Los Angeles police officer and then retired and went back to acting. Wow. Yes. You might catch him on the circuit meaning the convention scene. I think he'd be really fun to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. That's Ken Osmond, who is 74 today. Kimmy, she was a talk show host. She hosted the Jenny Jones Show from 1991 to 2003. Tell me how old Jenny Jones is today within five years. 58? She is 71. Wow. Yes, 71. She was a lot older than people realized when she was doing the Jenny Jones Show. Next person, actor, Kimmy. If you miss this, you will have so many nerds yelling at you. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Actor, starred in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. He played Qui-Gon Jinn in 1999. In 2010, he played Zeus in the remake of the 1981 film Clash of the Titans. Who is it? Liam Neeson. Yes, how old is Liam Neeson today within five years? 66. 65, so you get that one. And if you're a real nerd, you'll, or you'll want to know this one. He guest starred in the third season of the television series Miami Vice. Played a bad guy in 1986. Remember that? Mm-hmm. He was Gina's boyfriend. Mm. And that didn't make any sense to me why she would be obsessed with him. It was, it was like, yeah. That was, I mean, character, he was great, don't get me wrong. And I like her, too. It's just they could have written something a little different, I thought. Next person you have met, Kimmy, and when you first met him, you didn't realize who it was. You had no clue that you were talking to a very famous person. You didn't recognize him at first, and you were having a great conversation with him. He and I watched the World Series together for a little bit. Actor who played in an episode of Marvel's Daredevil in 2016, played a bad guy, plays a really great bad guy, even though he's not a bad guy, Kimmy. Actor, William Forsyth, having a birthday today. How old 
is William Forsyth within five years? 62. That is amazing, Kimmy. You got it exactly right. Cool. Yeah, he is, is, he is 62. And if you ever have the opportunity to meet Mr. Forsyth at a, at a convention, please take that opportunity. One of the nicest individuals you could ever meet. Mm-hmm. In seriousness, that is a, a moment I will really cherish is uh, spending time with him at, uh, well, watching the World Series. Yeah. It, it was really cool. And he was eating cake, mm-hmm. too. And, and he had dinner, but he had, you know, he had cake. Some of our friends' cake. They made the cake. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Next person born on this date in history, 1958. Kimmy died 2016 at the age of 57. Entertainer, musician, singer, actor. Starred in Purple Rain and had that as a, a hit song. Can you tell me who it is? Prince. That's right. Rolling Stone, by the way, ranked Prince at number 27 on its list of 100 greatest artists, the most influential artists of the rock and roll era. Moving over to another section of trivia. I see dead people. Notable deaths, 1937, Jean Harlow passed away. She was one of the biggest movie stars in the world by the late 1930s. She died at the age of 26 during the 1937 filming of Saratoga with Clark Gable. She actually collapsed on set, had an extremely high fever. Now, the film was completed using body doubles and released a little over a month after her death. They were going to reshoot the entire movie without her, cut her all out of it, but there was public outcry because of this. So they used doubles and had somebody also provide voice to to cover some things that, you know, where they, they sometimes have to dub voices because of bad audio and things. And it has become a game over the course of time to try to figure out who's the double, where's the double, and which is her in that movie Saratoga. Which one is really her? Now, by the way, that movie Saratoga became MGM's second highest grossing picture of 1937. The American Film Institute ranks her as the 22nd greatest film star of classic Hollywood cinema. 1965, Judy Holliday died at the age of 43 from breast cancer. She won an Academy Award for Best Actress for Born Yesterday. That was 1950. She played Billy Dawn. That wraps up the list of trivia. I think you did a fantastic job today. I think almost perfect, Kimmy. It is amazing. Mm. You were getting you were getting answers from somewhere, I, I think. I know. And thank you for helping Kimmy out. We deeply appreciate that. Yes. And what we're going to do right now is honor something from the world of trivia by going back in time to the golden age of radio. Radio was new. Radio someone still loves you. And that's the Riley and Kimmy show. Going back in time to the golden age of radio to re well, maybe to you know, introduce it for the very first time for those who have never heard the golden age of radio, or maybe for those who have to bring back some memories. We have right now a focus on Jean Harlow, and we have a old-time radio production that she was part of with Robert Taylor and actor Claude Rains. And a little side note, Cecil B. DeMille hosts this event. This is from 1936. Madame Charzon is the episode from 1936, here's Gene Harlow on the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Lux Radio Theater presents Gene Harlow and Robert Taylor in Madame Saint-Gene, 
with Claude Rains and C. Henry Gordon. Presents Hollywood. Our stars, Gene Harlow, Robert Taylor, Claude Rains, and C. Henry Gordon. Our guests, Jerome Napoleon Bonaparte and William Councilman, screenwriter and creator of Ella Cinders. Our producer, Cecil B. DeMille. Our conductor, Louis Silvers. To you who crowd our theater on Hollywood Boulevard tonight, and to you unseen millions the nation over, welcome to the Lux Radio Theater. for a do and a don't. Use all the cosmetic and rouge you wish, but don't run the risk of getting cosmetic skin with its tiny blemishes, enlarging pores, and dull complexion. Protect your skin the way nine out of ten screen stars do with Lux Toilet Soap, whose active lather cleanses the pores thoroughly and leaves your skin healthily clean, smooth, and lovely. I now turn you over to the producer of the Lux Radio Theater, Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. To preface tonight's play, as it would be prefaced on the screen, I should smack my lips, glance at the audience, and roar like the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer-Lyon. For we're presenting two of MGM's brightest stars, Gene Harlow and Robert Taylor. I've been hearing about Jean ever since she was a child. My daughter, Cecilia, used to come home from school and tell me that this little blue-eyed blonde was making so many conquests there weren't enough boys left to go around. At 17, Jean was offered a contract by the Hal Roach Studios, but the shock of seeing her on the screen was too much for her grandfather. His telephone call from Kansas City resulted in her promise to stop acting. For eight months, Jean kept her word. Then, Grandpop relented, and she went into the lead of Hell's Angels. She has since become quite a, well, quite a figure in the industry. Of Robert Taylor's storybook rise, I told you a few weeks ago, when he appeared here in Saturday's Children. Like Lord Byron, he awoke one day to find himself famous. He's just completed his role opposite Greta Garbo in Camille. Tonight, he becomes Count de Nyperg and Miss Harlow, Madame Saint-Gene. The French words for Mrs. Devil May Care. Claude Rains, who started his stage career as a callboy, carpenter, property man, and manager at His Majesty's Theatre London, will be Napoleon, a character he recently portrayed in Hearts Divided. Starred in The Invisible Man, the first picture he made in Hollywood, Mr. Rains is the only actor who ever appeared in a film without being seen in it. As Fouché, Napoleon's aide, we have C. Henry Gordon one of the screen's most delightful menaces. Our play is by Victorian Sardou. And nothing remains but to ring up the curtain. Lights, music. The Lux Radio Theater presents Gene Harlow and Robert Taylor in Madame Saint-Gene with Claude Rains and C. Henry Gordon. August 10th, 1792. France is rocked by revolution. In the city of Paris, a rabble mob sweeps onto the Tuileries, thirsting for revenge, 
intent on the slaughter of their king and queen. Ragged, bearded patriots, eyes hot with the lust of battle, swarm madly in the Rue saint Nicasse. Their pikes raised high in the air, their voices lifted in a hoarse hymn of hate. Through the crowd comes a young girl, her clothing in shreds, a laundry basket on her arm. She fights past the men, pushing her way toward the end of the street. Come back here. Let me alone. You want to be pushed little hole? I'm going to the rude to shot, and you're not going to stop me. They're fighting down there. You'll get your skull cracked. Well, it's my skull. What have you got in that basket? Food? No, it's not food. It's laundry. Oh. There's a nobleman who lives there, and I hear he's going to skip. Well, he owes me for three weeks' wash counting this one, and he's not going to skip without paying. <laughs> a revolution going on, and all she thinks about is a laundry business. Oh, shut your mouth. I know her. Her name is Madame Saint-Gene. Madame Devil May Care, huh? Well, Madame Devil May Care, you're a brave little girl. And patriotic, too. Come here and give me a kiss. Take your dirty hands off me. What? No kiss for an honest patriot? You may be a patriot, but you smell of garlic. <laughs> <laughs> Sergeant Lefebvre is my man, and if I tell him what you've done, he'll bash him out. You tell Sergeant Lefebvre we wouldn't let you cross the way to shot. And if he values your pretty neck, he'll give us a reward. <laughs> now, go on now. Back to your laundry. Let me go. Meddling fools, interfering with a lady's business. Wait a light. Who's there? Come out from behind that wash tub. I know you're there. Good evening, Catherine. Oh, it's you, Fouché. Yes, I... What are you doing here? Nothing very much. You were hiding, weren't you? No, no, no. I was just resting. Well, why aren't you out there with the rest of the men where you belong? Ha! You call yourself a patriot. Haven't you got any blood in your veins? None to spare. I don't see why I should waste it. <laughs> You're afraid. Now, each to his own trade, my dear. Some men are sent into the world to fight and some to organize. Now, I am an organizer. You won't get much organizing done behind a wash tub. Well, that's where you're wrong. Sitting there a while ago, listening to the cannons in the distance, I thought of an excellent plan of action once the tree is in our hands. <laughs> I suppose you think they'll make you an official or something. Well, why not? <laughs> I should make a very good minister. Well, it won't be minister of war. <laughs> oh, even that, uh, when the war is over. You've got about as much chance of being a minister as I have of being a, a duchess. I can scarcely imagine you in that character, my dear. <laughs> Neither can I. Hey, pour some water in that tub, will you? Yeah, certainly. Well, besides, they're going to do away with duchesses. Yeah, but they will always need organizers. Well, when you're a minister, I hope you won't forget that little washing bill you owe me. Oh, for shame, my dear. Asking favors already. How is that you're so hard on me when you're so obliging to others? What others? Well, that young artillery officer. What's his name? Uh, Bonaparte. I'm sure you never press him for money. You know a lot, don't you? I merely observe things. Well, Napoleon Bonaparte can have all the credit he wants. He's a soldier and a defender of his country. Napoleon. What an outlandish name. It's Corsican and so is he. Yes, I suppose it is. Listen, the fighting's coming closer. Yes, so it is, so it is. How long have you been here? An hour, perhaps more. Did Lefebvre come by? Uh, no. Well, he might be with that mob, but you better get out. Well, I can't leave now. All right, then. Stay, if you don't mind having your neck twisted. What? 
Oh, he's very jealous, my Lafayette. Oh, not of me. <laughs> he's crazy enough to be. Of course, if you want to stay, it's up to you. Well, I, uh, I believe I'd have time to get to my rooms. Uh, good night, Catherine. <laughs> by pushing in here as if you own the place. I'm sorry, but I've been wounded. I had to get out of the streets. What's your name? Doesn't matter. Well, it does to me. You're not a Frenchman, are you? I... No, Austrian. Austrian? For the love of heaven, don't scream. I'll scream if I want to. Where did you come from? The Tuileries. I escaped. A royalist? Yes, a royalist who has done his duty defending the queen. Am I supposed to help you for that? The queen is Austrian, too. She's my countrywoman. If they find you here, they'll rip you to pieces. Here or anywhere else... I'm throwing myself on your mercy. All right. Now, what's your name? Count de Nyperg. The Count de Nyperg? Yes. Why do you stare at me? I haven't seen many noblemen up, up close. We're no different from anyone else. Oh, I guess you're not. There. Now, let me see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. They did a good job, didn't they? Only fair. You're still alive. I'll get something to bandage it with. You'd rather see me dead, I suppose. I'd rather I never saw you at all. <laughs> If Lefebvre knew I'd helped a royalist, he'd throttle me. Lefebvre? Oh, you don't know him. No, no, of course not. Let me know if I hate you. <laughs> he wants to marry me. You're very much in love, I suppose. <laughs> he is. Hold your arm up and keep it there. You haven't told me your name yet. My name? Well, I'd like to know to whom I'm indebted for all this. Well, my name's Catherine, but they call me Madame Saint-Gen. Saint-Gen? Oh, yes, devil may care. Mm-hmm. Well, it suits you. Yes. What makes you think so? You'd never be doing this for me if you weren't devil may care. Harboring a royalist is a capital offense among patriots, isn't it? You mean they'd kill me? Wouldn't they? Will you keep your arm up? <laughs> I'm sorry. You're a funny person. You force your way in here whether I like it or not, and then you worry about what might happen to me if they catch you. <laughs> well, I'm not going to stay. I I wasn't thinking much about anything when I broke in here. I'm, I'm sorry. It's all right. If you've finished with my arm, I'll leave now. No, no, stay where you are. I'll... I'll get you some other clothes. They'd spot you in a minute with that fancy brocaded coat. Just as you spotted me? I knew you weren't French. But I guess somehow I knew you weren't like the rest of the mob. You're... You're a gentleman. <laughs> you talk like a royalist sympathizer. Well, I'm not. But that doesn't mean I can't sympathize with one of you. Thank you. Well, we'd all have been nobles if we could have been. Uh, even uh, though right now, I'm glad I'm not. <laughs> you should be. Well, uh, I guess you can go now. I don't know how I can thank you for this. Don't try. And if I get out safely, and if there's anything I can ever do for you, you'll let me know, won't you? I guess I won't need much help. <laughs> I don't believe you will. Who's that? It's Lafayette. Quick, get into the bedroom. Yes, but you... Don't stop to talk. Go in there. Oh, open the door. Now, don't come out until I tell you, you understand? Yes, very well. Open up. Open up, Parker. I'm coming. Don't be in such a rush. Well, it's about time. Oh, come on in. Where the devil were you, up in the garret? I don't open doors at night until I find out who's there. Hmm? Oh. <laughs> a good rule. Well, don't we get a kiss? If you want. If you want. There's a nice greeting for a victorious patriot. Victorious? They've taken the Tuileries by storm. Listen to them. 
Ah, tonight to be remembered, girl. The king and queen. The temple under lock and key. They won't be for long if that mob has anything to say about it. <laughs> Bring me some wine. We'll drink a toast to Madame Guillotine. Hey, Catherine. Yes? What's the matter with you? Why are you so quiet? Did you say you wanted wine? Come here. You're in a funny mood tonight. I came here expecting to be greeted with open arms. You expected too much. I'll get the glasses. I can wait. What are you looking at? Nothing. Someone came here tonight? Yes. Who? Your friend, Fouché. <laughs> You're not jealous, are you? Anybody else? No. Sure? Of course I'm sure. Why do you ask? No reason. Except that I can't imagine Fouché wearing a brocaded coat. It's hardly Fouché's style, is it? Put down that coat and get out of here. I'll have a look around first. Get away from that door. Oh, so that's where he is. Thank you. Get away or I'll burn you with his eyes. Put it down. I mean it. Yes, you do, don't you? Now I understand why you've been putting me off for so long. Oh, don't be a fool. I won't be any longer. I'm going into that room. You go in there when you're my husband and not before. And if you ever want to be my husband, you better get out of here. What do you mean? Oh, I'm sick of your jealous fits. Sick of your raving every time I happen to look at another man. There's nothing wrong here tonight, not a thing. And why not let me see for myself? Because you've got to learn to trust me. And you've got to learn now. I warn you, if you open that door half an inch, I'll never see you again. And if I don't open the door? I've already told you. All right, I'll get out. But don't forget, we're going to be married. Soon. And in Egypt, now the Austrians and the Ringo. I tell you, Bonaparte can't lose. We'll be in for War, war, war. When is the man ever going to stop? Never, probably. But why worry? You haven't done so badly, Catherine. The wife of General Lafayette. Huh. It's a far cry from washing dirty linen. Oh, stop putting on airs. You've just been lucky. Lucky? <laughs> I intend to be luckier. Wait till Napoleon is through with the Austrians. You have a list of the wounded, Sergeant? And the dead, monsieur. Austerlitz will be a costly victory. Any officers killed? Twelve, monsieur. One of them, a general. Who is it? General Lefebvre, monsieur. He died at the hospital tent an hour ago. Madame Lefebvre? Yes? A gentleman to see you, madame. Tell him to come in. Will you come in, please, monsieur? Thank you. Good afternoon, madame Lefebvre. Touché, I'm glad to see you. Sit down. Thank you. Uh, it's been a long time since I've met you. It's been ages. Uh, I hear you've grown up in the world, Fouché. Oh, yes? His Majesty the Emperor has seen fit to bestow certain honors upon me. Don't be so pompous. What brought you here? I have a bit of news for you. <laughs> I'll bet it's bad news if you're bringing it. Now, first, may I offer my sincere regrets on the passing of your husband? You're a little late, Fouché. My husband died at Austerlitz. Yes, I'm aware of that. And so was His Majesty 
when he made your husband the Duke of Danzig. What? Yes, the Duke of Danzig. His Majesty conferred the honor on the field of battle. Hmm, so that's your news. Uh, well, what of it? Oh, don't you realize what that means? You're the Duchess of Danzig. You have a title. <laughs> and what am I supposed to do with it? Oh, my dear girl, what does anyone do with a title? That's what I'm trying to find out. Well, you go to court, you attend His Majesty. He seems to have enough attendance now. Who's at the court, Fouché? I'm not up on those things. Oh, among others, they're the Duke of Rovigo, Carnoville, the Queen Caroline of Naples, the Count of Nyperg. And... Uh, what? Um, nothing. Uh, go on. Uh, Count of Nyperg or who else? Well, does it make any difference? There are many hundreds of them. It's funny, Fouché. Remember a long time ago... I said you had about as much chance of being a minister of state as I had of being a duchess. Oh, I'll be a minister yet. But I'm a duchess already. Tell me, uh, do I meet all those people at the court? Certainly. On the uh, same footing? Practically. You'll be the social equal of any person there. Even, uh, even of a count? What count? Oh, uh, any count. Well, I should say, <laughs> yes. All right, then I'll go. It might be fun after all. <laughs> We will continue presently, starring Jean Harlow and Robert Taylor in Madame Saint-Gene. But now, let's drop into Musso's Beverly Hill Restaurant on Wilshire Boulevard, around the corner from the famous Carthay Circle Theater. It's six o'clock. Dinner guests are beginning to fill the tables. In a corner, a fortune teller talks earnestly to two young girls. And the cards say, you will have a great change this year. What do you want? Husband? It will come true. You will have great romance. Oh, but very great. The King of Hearts. See? Hmm. Well, you're encouraging. Is 50 cents right? Yes. Thank you. Good evening and good luck. You needn't be so uppity, Adele. After all, she was doing her best. Well, personally, I'm sick and tired of hearing about romances and wishes coming true. She might as well have predicted I'd be a, a second Joan Blondell. Say, Adele, you look a little like Joan at that. And Joan Blondell just had a big romance. Listen, Adele... Would you get mad if I told you something? No. Why should I? Listen, I'm no fortune teller. And I'm not trying to say you'd be a second Blondell. But doesn't it make sense to you if... Well, Donna Adele, why don't you do something about your complexion? It's in the cards that if you have a lovely complexion, you're bound to win. So don't take chances with cosmetic skin, dullness, tiny blemishes, enlarging pores. Joan Blondell never takes such chances. This beautiful star is a Lux toilet soap user. She knows the active lather of Lux toilet soap guards against cosmetic skin because it removes dust, dirt, stale rouge, and powder thoroughly so they can't choke the pores. Use powder and rouge all you like, but remove them with Lux toilet soap. Remember, nine out of ten screen stars use this soap. Joan Blondell says, I'm delighted with the way Lux toilet soap keeps my skin so smooth. And you know, clear, smooth skin means success, romance. And now, Mr. DeMille. We continue with Madame Saint-Gen, starring Jean Harlow and Robert Taylor, with Claude Rains and C. Henry Gordon. Another year has passed. For Madame Saint-Gen, now the Duchess of Danzig, life at the court has been half enjoyment half boredom. Weary of its petty snobbery, she has made up for it by a more than friendly interest in the Count de Nyperg. She is still the same person, however, 
unassuming and charmingly direct. Perhaps a bit too direct for the ladies of the court. As she enters the glittering ballroom at the palace, Napoleon's two sisters, Carolyn and Elisa, are especially malicious. There she is now, coming in the door, Your Highness. What a horrible dress. Fantastic. She seems, as usual, to be having a little difficulty with the train. Almost as much as she has with her speech. Have you ever heard some of the expressions she uses? Yes. The men seem to enjoy it. Look at them, flocking to her. I don't see the Count de Nypug. Isn't he usually dancing attendance upon her? My dear, don't be absurd. Count Nyberg is amused by her, not in love with her. It's a wonder she doesn't come to you at once, Your Highness. She must know tonight's ball is in your honor. I expect little courtesy from a washerwoman. I'd like to tell her that sometime to her face. She's coming over. I'm honored, Your Highness. Oh, my dear Catherine, we're delighted to see you. I hope Your Highness will pardon me for being so awfully late. I had a terrible job getting into this dress. It's a little tight around the same. <laughs> oh, my dear. How quaint. Quaint? Yes. We've noticed, Duchess, you have a very original manner of expressing yourself. So, uh, picturesque. Are you <laughs> making fun of me, Madame Sabre? If you are, you can save yourself the trouble. That's the way I have always spoken, and it's the way I always will speak. Really? If you'll forgive my saying so, your expressions seem to have been borrowed from the lower classes. Not borrowed, brought. I'm from the lower classes myself. I shouldn't boast of it, my dear. I'm not. But I'm not ashamed of it either. Just what were you before you became a duchess, Catherine? I think you know that. But I don't mind telling you again. I was a washerwoman. Really? Washerwoman? I should think you'd rather keep that quiet, my dear. Your Highness, there aren't any stupid trades. Only stupid people. You forget yourself. I had a trade, and I'm proud of that. And let me tell you, I'm in good company here. Monsieur Dupre used to sell oil. Bessier was a wig maker, Bruna printer. And your own husband, Your Highness, who is now the King of Naples, was once a servant in his father's wine shop. Be quiet. And some people here who now call him Your Majesty used to shout at him, Hey, waiter, bring me some soup. Oh, I think you have said enough. The Emperor shall hear of this. I'm sure he will. Good evening, Your Highness. Catherine, whatever have you done? Hello, Fouché. Do you realize you've insulted the Empress' sister? She's had it coming to her for a year. She'd stayed a little longer. I had a lot more to say. You may pay dearly for it. The Empress is in a nasty mood tonight. What about? Well, heaven only knows. If heaven knows, so do you. Now, what is it? There's something about the Empress... A little jealousy, I think. Is that all? He'll get over it. You take other people's love affairs very lightly, my dear. Well, I happen to know something about jealousy. I married Lefebvre. Yes, of course. And jealousy is very stupid. Doesn't get you anything in the end. Yes, quite right. Oh, by the way, how is the Count in Eiberg? I, uh... I haven't seen him for a week. Oh, really? Oh, then it wasn't you who was driving with him in the park last Wednesday. In the park? Was he in the park? Yes, with a woman. They passed What me. did she look like? I really couldn't say. She was very heavily veiled, however. Will you order my carriage? What? My carriage. I'm going home. My dear Catherine, <laughs> what has happened to your philosophy of jealousy? If you think that I'm in love with my peg... Well, aren't you? Oh, Fouché, you're a nosy, meddling old fool. <laughs> Get out of my way. <laughs> Majesty, the Emperor. Good evening, Your Majesty. Good evening, Your Majesty. Your Majesty. Good evening, sire. Good evening. 
Did you receive my message, Fouché? No, sire. I ask you to report to the West Wing as soon as you arrive. I'm sorry, Your Majesty, but... Never mind. Go there and wait for me. There's something I want to speak to you about. Go now. Yes, Your Majesty. At once. Your Majesty. The Duke of Chantier asked if he might see you in private. Tell him I'm busy. Yes, Your Majesty. And your sister, the Queen of Naples... Tell her I'm busy. I'm going to the West Room. Cancel all appointments and see that I'm not disturbed. Yes, Your Majesty. Sit down, Fouché. Thank you, sire. Now, Fouché, how well are you acquainted with the palace guards? Do you know eight or ten who can be trusted to keep their mouths shut? Why, I believe so, sire. Good. Find them and tell them to report to Roussin. I'm putting a special guard around the Empress' apartment tonight. And I want men, not fools. A special guard around Her Majesty's apartment? And may I ask why, sire? Are you pretending that you don't know? Oh, Your Majesty, I... I have reason to suspect Fouché that someone will try to gain admittance to the Empress' chambers late tonight. A scandal must be avoided at all costs. Oh, Your Majesty, you surely don't imagine why it's incredible. You must be mistaken, sire. You're paid to follow orders, Fouché, not to question them. Very good, Your Majesty. One moment. Yes, sir. There's a woman here tonight, the Duchess of Danzig. Do you know her? Very well, Your Majesty. My sister tells me this woman has insulted her publicly. I wish to see her at once. I'm sorry, Your Majesty, but the Duchess of Danzig has already left the palace. Are you sure? I'm quite sure, Your Majesty. She asked me to order her carriage. She must be on her way by now. Well, I'll see her in the morning. Leave word that she's to be here at ten o'clock. Yes, sir. Grace? Well, what is it? The Count de Nyberg is here, Your Grace. The Count de Nyberg? Where is he? In the he? drawing room. I told him you were at the palace. Oh, never mind now. Yes, Your Grace. Good evening, Louis. Catherine. I've been waiting for you. You knew I was at the palace. If you wanted to see me... Well, I, I wanted to speak to you alone. Well, sit down, Louis. There isn't much time, Catherine. I may have waited too long now, but I couldn't leave without... Leave where? What are you saying? I'm trying to say goodbye, Catherine. I'm leaving France tonight. You mean for good? Yes. Why? <laughs> this afternoon, the Duke of Rovigo handed me the Emperor's orders to leave before nightfall. Leave? Yes, to cross the frontier by the shortest route, never come back. But what have you done? He can't send you away for nothing. <laughs> yeah. My motto covers all crimes, Catherine. I've been faithful. But I... Faithful to my name and to Austria. You see, I was a friend of the Duke d'Anglia. Napoleon never forgave that. When the date was fixed for his marriage to Marie-Louise, a list of officers was submitted to his inspection. Officers who were to conduct Her Majesty from Austria into France. With one stroke of the pen, he scratched my name from the list. Uh, he hates me. And that's why he's sending you away? No, no. No, he's a little too clever for that. He's discovered what he thinks to be a love affair of mine in the palace. A love affair? <laughs> he's become very strict on that point since his second marriage. He's using this affair as an excuse to get me out of the country. Is it only an excuse, Louis? Yes. You don't love this woman? I told you I didn't. Then why do you look so sad? How is she, Louis? I can't tell you that. Then you do love her, don't you? Catherine. Oh, you do. It's written all over you. Are you going to see her before you leave? Tonight, very late. She's arranged a meeting. Louis, will you do something for me? Yes. Don't see her. But it's my last chance. Please, for my sake. Do you know what you're asking, Catherine? 
I think I do. I know what you're going through, Louis. I know what it means to love someone that, that you can't have. You? Why, why, every man at court is mad about you. Except one. And he's the only one that matters. Please, Louis, don't see this woman. Why do you ask that? If Napoleon hates you now, how will he feel when he finds out that you deliberately disobeyed him? Well, he won't find out. You forget, I'm leaving France for good. Oh, but there may be some hope if someone spoke up for <laughs> you. <laughs> to Napoleon. <laughs> you know him when he's had his feathers ruffled. It's like speaking to a stone wall. But he can't send you away like this. He can't... Louis, wait here for me. Catherine, Catherine where are you going? I won't be long. Just wait, please. <clears throat> Francois. Your grace. Order the carriage. I'm going back to the palace. Well, what is it? Don't you see I'm busy? I beg your pardon, sire. But the Duchess of Danzig is here. She insists upon seeing you at once, sire. But this hour will... Who did you say it was? The Duchess of Danzig, sire. Oh, yes. Send her in. Yes, sire. Your Majesty. Uh, so you're the Duchess of Danzig. Yes, Your Majesty must have seen me at... I can't remember everybody. Sit down. Thank you, sire. It's strange that you should come here tonight. It's about the... Very cut. strange. Because I was going to send for you in the morning. I suppose you know why. And guess. Uh, your sister's been carrying tales again. What's that? She told you I insulted her. Um, she's right. You have no hesitation about admitting it, have you? No, sire. I hope you realize you've caused a scandal. I hope I have. But do your sister a lot of good, sire, if someone took her down a peg. Mm. She forgets that she had an humble beginning, too, like a lot of us. You're very frank. Almost brutal. That's my army training, sire. You see, I've served under the flag. You? With a brandy keg on my hip, giving drinks to the wounded and the dying. A vivandier? Yes, sir. Where? At Lafayette, 13th Light Infantry. Army of the Vosges? Army of the Vosges, Army of the Moselle, Army of the Rhine. You were at the Rhine? Yes, That's where I had a donkey shot out from underneath me. The general named me in the orders of the day and kissed me right in front of the whole regiment. He sure... Why have I never heard about this? You didn't ask. Neither did your sister. Oh, her. All she knows is that I was a washerwoman. Yes, I've heard about that. You've tried all trades, then? No, only two. One too many. A vivandier, good. But a washerwoman, when? Where? In Paris, 91 and 92. I had a lot of bad customers, though. Right here in the palace, there's a soldier who owes me 60 francs to this day. He's got up in the world, but he never paid me. I think I'll ask him for it. Oh, that would look nice, wouldn't it? I've even brought his bill with me. I thought you'd like to see it. No, thank you. Oh, just to see the name on it. I suppose you would like me to collect it for you. Well, and here's an old letter of his asking for credit. Uh, listen. Out of my small pay, I am again called upon... Oh, the writing's awful. Again called upon to come to the aid of my mother and sisters who are about to take refuge in Marseille. What's that? As they are obliged to flee from Corsica. Corsica? Let me see that. Look at the signature, sire. Napoleon Bonaparte. <laughs> Yes, that's my bad customer. <laughs> now, let me see. Your shop. The Rue Saint-Anne? The corner of the Rue des Orties. I remember, but your name. I can't recall that. Catherine. No, no, no. The other. The nickname. Oh, madam. Madame Songer. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you were Madame Songer. Oh? Well, I was in bad straits then. I'd almost decided to become a furniture dealer. There's a lot more money in what you're doing now. Huh? Oh, yeah. Well... <clears throat> Let's see about this bill. Forty francs for mending a loan. That's rather high. It isn't high at all. You never had a whole shirt to your back. Well, we won't bargain about it. We'll say Napoleon Bonaparte owes you... Sixty uh, francs. 
and the interest adds up, makes it 70. Hmm. Well, I'm afraid fate's against me. I haven't a sue in my pocket now. Well, I've waited this long. I'll, I'll give you another day to settle up. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll be waking up the whole palace. But, um, just a moment. You didn't come here to present this bill. No, sire. I only brought that with me to remind you that I once did you a favor. Yes? Because now I'm going to ask a favor of you. Go on. There's a man here at the court. A man you're going to punish just because you happen to, dis- to dislike him. You come to plead for him? Yes, sire. I'm not in the habit of punishing a man for personal reasons. Oh, then let him stay. Don't send him back. One off. moment. What man is this? The Count de Lightford. You can save your breath. Your Majesty. I said you can save your breath. But... Do you hear me? Well? Your Majesty. What is it, Rooster? Downstairs. The door to the private staircase has just been opened. You see who it was? Oh, yes, sire. I... Well, come on. Speak up, man. It was the Count de Lightford. Louis, what... Quiet. Please. Did you put a guard around Her Majesty's apartment? I did, sire. Her Majesty? Now, Duchess... Perhaps you understand why your friend must leave. But it's impossible. You're all wrong. Rustam, keep this woman here. Yes, sire. Listen, he's wrong. I've got to tell him. Hey, come back here. Let come me back go. Here. Hey, Let me go. Here. Your Majesty. Stand back. Go on. Here he is, sire. We've got him. Louis. Well, sir, I was prepared for this. So I see. Perhaps you'll tell us what you were doing at the door to the Empress' apartment. I didn't wish to leave without bidding Her Majesty farewell. Really? At this hour? Your Majesty didn't give me the choice at the hour at which I should receive the orders of my sovereign. And what orders have you to receive from the Empress? Those which she alone has the right to dictate to me. I am neither the subject nor the valet of Your Majesty. I'm a general in the service of my country. And in that character, I owe all of my devotion to the Archduchess of Austria... The Empress Marie Louise. And in that character, it will be my pleasure to see you stand before a firing squad. Take him away. Wait, Your Majesty, you can't do this. It's murder. Take him away. We pause for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Harlow as Madame Saint-Gene and Robert Taylor as the Count de Nyperg resume the events of our play in a few moments. And now, ladies and gentlemen, from the corridor of Napoleon's palace, the Chateau de Compagne, we traverse land, sea, and time to enter the drawing room of a later Napoleon Bonaparte. It's a privilege and an honor to present the only living descendant of the Emperor of France in America. One of the great figures in the social life of New York, Palm Beach, and Newport. We switch you now to New York City, to the drawing room of a house on East 69th Street. Seated there, amid rare portraits of his illustrious ancestor, is that emperor's great-great-nephew. From Hollywood, we welcome and introduce him. From New York, he speaks to you. The pretender to the French Empire, 
Jerome Napoleon Bonaparte. Thank you, Mr. DeMille, and good evening. I count it a great pleasure to take part in one of the performances from your brilliant Lux Radio Theater. As I sit here, I know that if the likeness of the emperor in this room could come to life, he would nod his approval. In his day, all the theaters were under the subsidy of his government. And whenever he returned to Paris from trans-European campaigns, he wasted no time in taking his place with his court to hear the latest plays at the Comédie Française. This famous institution had been closed during the Revolution, but Napoleon was so interested in it that he had it reopened in 1799. He re-established it in the building which it still occupies today. Mr. DeMille introduced me as the pretender to the French Empire. I think his statement needs some explanation. Technically, I am the present pretender, as I am the direct descendant of the Emperor Napoleon's brother by his first marriage. But I have lived all my life in America. My family and my friends are here. And also, there is no French Empire. There's one detail of my ancestry Mr. DeMille omitted in introducing me. And it's one that I'm very proud of. While I am descended from the Emperor of France, I also claim another honor. My mother was the former Miss Appleton of Boston and the great-granddaughter of the great American statesman Daniel Webster. It always amuses me to think that the great Napoleon has become related by other people's marriages to Daniel Webster. Our family, of course, can never enter into discussions as to whether or not the pen is mightier than the sword. As I am seated here, the microphone stands on a rosewood desk that may interest you. I have used it all my life. It was originally given to my cousin, the Empress Eugenie, by the city of Paris when her son, the Prince Imperial, was born. There's no telling how many great documents have crossed it, and its value to me personally is even greater now that a Napoleon can use it to broadcast his words to a nation. Now, in saying good night to you, may I congratulate you all on this great Lux Radio Theater. My compliments to your brilliant Madame Saint-Jeanne Jean Harlow, to Mr. Taylor, and of course to Mr. Claude Rains for his very fine characterization of my great-great-uncle. Thank you, Mr. Bonaparte. We're back in Hollywood now, where Jean Harlow and Robert Taylor star for us in Madame Saint-Jeanne with Claude Rains and C. Henry Gordon. It's later, the same night. The execution of the Count de Nyperg is set for five o'clock, three hours from now. In the drawing room of her house, Catherine paces the floor nervously, desperately trying to find a way to save him. She has sent for Fouché. As he enters, she moves quickly toward him. Is there any news? None. I try to see the emperor, but it's no use. He won't see anyone. What time is the execution? At five o'clock. And my peg, where are they holding him? At the palace. I'm afraid it's a bad job, Catherine. The emperor's keeping the whole thing hushed up to avoid a scandal. We can't do anything through the usual channels. We've got to get my peg out of the country. Are you mad? What do you intend to do? Storm the palace and raise him by... I tell you it's useless. He's blundered badly this time. Of all the women in the palace to fall in love with, he picks the empress. Does she know what's happened? No. Napoleon has forbidden anyone to see her. Then 
She won't know until... until it's over. Exactly. He's taking no chances of her interfering. We've got to do something. We've got to. Oh, why do you stand there, you stupid fool? They're going to kill him. Do you realize that? They're going to kill him. I'm sorry that you love him so much, Catherine. There's nothing I can do or anyone else. I've got to see him. Take me to him, Fouché. I can't. You've got to. You can arrange it. Please, just a few minutes along with him. A few minutes, Fouché. Mm, if I could only reach the counter of Eagle. Oh, you can, please. I can't promise a thing, Catherine. But I shall do my best. In here. Thank you. You can't stay long. When I knock on the door, you must come out. I will, thank you. Who's that? It's me, Louis. Catherine. Catherine, how did you get in here? Fouché arranged it. I... I had to see you again. Louis, why did you do it? Why didn't you wait? You promised. Uh, would it have done any good? I came here tonight to see the emperor, to, to ask him to let you stay. You came here without knowing the facts, Catherine. Have you... Did you try to send word to the empress? No, there's no one I can trust. A letter would be intercepted. The Austrian ambassador? No, there isn't time. It's no use, Catherine. see? Well, shall we, uh, shall we talk about something else? What is, what else is there? If time is so precious... Time is nothing now. There's so little of it left. This time, even you can't save me. This time? You haven't forgotten that you saved me once. Oh. I've thought of that night often. I always meant to ask you, how did you get rid of the faith? Doesn't matter now. I went back there once after the revolution. Back to the shop? Mm -hmm. Why, Louis? I wanted to thank you. Oh. And they told me you had married Lefebvre. Never thought I'd see you again. Then that night, the night you were first presented at court, the Duchess of Danzig. You saw through me quick enough. Well, I recognized you, if that's what you mean. But you knew that I wasn't really a Duchess. But you were. You are, Catherine. No, I'm not. I'm all dressed up now, and the servants call me Your Grace. Way down underneath, I'm the same as I always was. I can't be like the rest of them. I've tried, but I can't. You're a thousand times better. Louis, maybe if I... If I'd been born a lady, a real lady... What, Catherine? Nothing. Why do we sit here and talk when... When... Catherine, are you crying? I, I guess I am. I never cried before that I can remember. Oh, now, look up here. You mustn't do that. I, I'm sorry. That's a fine thing for a vivandier. Louis... You're not afraid? Afraid to die? No, why should I be? You you love her that much. As any soldier loves his queen. What are you saying? I'm devoted to her. I asked you if you loved her. As a man? No. Oh, but I... Marie-Louise and I grew up together in Austria. We've been friends, good friends, since childhood. She came here as Napoleon's wife. We tried to continue that friendship, that's all. But tonight you were going to... At her request, she asked to see me. Oh, why didn't you tell that to the emperor? <laughs> Have him laugh in my face. But he thinks that... He thinks whatever he chooses to think. Then you don't love her. You, you don't love her. Shh. Mr. God. You'll have to go now. Louis. Your Grace. Oh, one moment, please. I'm sorry, Your Grace. Goodbye, Catherine. Goodbye, Louis. This way, Your Grace. Wait. I want you to take me to the Emperor. Your Grace, that's... Take me to him. He won't see you. 
You won't see anyone, Your Grace. Take me to him. If you don't, I swear I'll wake the whole palace. I want to see the Emperor. Sit down. Thank you, sir. Now that you blackmailed your way in here, I suppose you've come to plead for your friend again. I've come to straighten things out, sire. Indeed? Your Majesty, the Count de Nypeg is not in love with the Empress. Really? And just how did you reach that conclusion? He's her friend and perhaps her advisor. She'd need one in this place. Thank you. But, but that's all there is to it. He's not in love with her any more than she's in love with him. You still haven't answered my question. No, I can't give you proof. You'll have to take my word for it and your wife's. And just why should I do that? For the past three months, I've had the Count de Nyberg followed, day and night. There are the reports on my desk. Those reports inform me that he's been meeting the Empress regularly and secretly. I prefer to take the word of my police officers. The Count is Her Majesty's friend. These reports confirm that. But he's not in love with her, I know it. You seem so sure. I am. Why? Because... Because he's in love with me. What? He is. That's why I came here tonight. I love him, and I'll do anything to help him. You're lying. Am I? You said you had reports of his movement. Have you got one for tonight? Certainly. Then look at it and find out where he was before he came here. At ten. To the home of the Duchess of Danzig. Well? It doesn't prove anything. But it makes good sense. Where does a man go when he's ordered to leave the country? To the woman he loves. He came to me. He also came to the Empress. I knew he was coming. He, he told me. But he came to her because she asked him to. He loves me. You mind if I ask him that? In your presence? Of course not. Very well. Rooster! Your Majesty, have the Count and Iperg brought here at once. Open that door. Count to Nyberg. Yes, what is it? Will you come out here, please? Aren't you a little early, Captain? The clock struck half past four just a moment ago. I have orders to take you. Very well. Uh, you don't mind if I finish a letter, I hope. You'll have time for that later. Uh, I'm afraid not. Will you come, please? The Emperor wants to see you. The Emperor? What for? I'm not here to answer questions. I was told to bring you to his study. All in, please. Certainly. Ouch! Ouch! Your Majesty. Bring him in, Roussin. In here, please. Louis. Catherine. What are you doing? That'll be all, Rooster. Wait outside. Yes, sir. Well, Nyberg, Your Majesty, I have a question to ask you. It's rather important. So I want you to think carefully before answering. Your, Your Majesty, may, may I ask Thank you. you. I'll ask it myself. Nyberg, if you'll pardon a purely personal question, are you in love? Your Majesty. Are you? I have been for a long time. I hardly knew it myself, but I'm sure of it now. Good. Now, this is the important point. Would you mind telling me with whom? 
Must I answer that? I insist. Very well. Since I'm to die in an hour, it can't do much harm. Who is she? Well? Your Majesty doesn't know her. Louis. I don't know her, eh? No, Your Majesty. Her name is Madame Saint-Jean. Saint-Jean? Here, catch her quick. Catherine, what's wrong? She's fainted. So that's why he wanted to know. Yes, but he knew me as Madame Saint-Jean, too. Well, it seems that I gave the right answer. If you'd given any other, you'd be dead by now. There wasn't any other. I love you, Catherine. Oh, Louis, why didn't you tell me? I was going to, a month ago. I wish you had. Louis, take me home. I think my knees are giving out. <laughs> well, it's late. You must be tired. Tired? <laughs> I feel as if I had done a hard day's wash. <laughs> not the players. Gene Harlow and Robert Taylor return shortly for a curtain call. Ella Cinders is a human being known in most American homes, where she drops in daily as the heroine of a comic strip. Tonight we present her creator, William Consulman. Bill came to Hollywood ten years ago when Ella Cinders was made into a motion picture starring Colleen Moore. He has remained to become one of 20th Century Fox Studios' most sterling and reliable scenario writers. Many of Will Rogers' pictures came from his typewriter. Likewise, many of the Shirley Temple films. His latest hit, written in collaboration, is Pigskin Parade. And he is now writing the story for Irving Berlin's new musical, On the Avenue. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. William Consulman. What'll I do first? Talk about movies or comic strips? Well, you can choose your weapons, Bill. But remember, you're supposed to be a humorist. All right, then suppose I tell the latest story making the Hollywood rounds. It's about a well-known director, present company accepted, who was pestered to death every single day with people trying to see him. Nothing he could say or do would keep them away. Well, last week he was taken suddenly ill. He rushed home and told his wife to get a doctor quickly. Three hours later, she managed to reach one, and as the physician drove up to the house, the director's wife rushed into his room. Henry, she said, Dr. Brown is here to see you. Impossible, he said weakly. Tell him to drop around next week. Can't you see? I'm much too sick to see anybody. (laughs) Well, not bad, Bill. Not bad for a starter. But now I have to confess, that story I just told is pure myth. It's the exact story, worded a little differently, that was pulled in France about 400 years ago. Hmm. I cited it to prove the point I'm about to make. Namely, there's no such thing as a new joke. Take any funny story, and if you're curious and patient enough, you can find its duplicate, told in different languages, all the way back to ancient Greece and Rome. That's why trying to be funny is such a sad job. All we can do is grind away, and trust we'll be lucky enough to find a new twist to someone else's gag. That goes for pictures and comic strips, too. I've noticed a definite change in comic strips, Bill. They seem to be dropping humor in favor of melodrama. Even Ella Cinders has lost those freckles she used to have. That's because the people didn't like Ella with freckles. 
Women take a tremendous interest in comic strip characters. Originally, Ella was a skinny little girl with freckles and scraggly hair. Breeders protested so much, we dropped the freckles. The next campaign to get Ella a permanent wave. By this, we drew the line. If we're ever interested in making Ella as beautiful as the Hollywood picture stars, why, well, we'll follow their example and acquaint Ella with your splendid product, Lux Toilet Soap. <laughs> Once Charlie Plum, my associate, and I were debating whether or not to have her marry. This question drew 40,000 letters from our readers on the blisses and pitfalls of the wedded state. Ella, by the way, is still single. <laughs> Today, about 200 different comic strips are read in the United States. Over a period of time, they wield a mighty influence. Popeye, for example, has probably sold more spinach than all the advice the physicians can give. <laughs> the first comic strip ever published was printed in Germany about 50 years ago, while the granddaddy of the American funny paper was the still-remembered Yellow Kid. Ella Sanders is perhaps a little different from most others. Now it has a closely knit continuity, and we try to tell a complete story every day. Between the movies and Ella, I seldom waste a single gag. If I can't work it into a scenario, you can depend you'll see it in the funny papers. But whether it's a motion picture, a comic strip, or a radio program, we're all working for the same common end, to please as many people of as many different types as possible. It's been very nice being here, Mr. DeMille, and meeting you and Robert Taylor again. I can't help but feel a little proud of Bob's success. When I was writing the script of Handy Andy for Will Rogers, we decided to look outside our own studio for the masculine love interest. We borrowed Bob from MGM, and Handy Andy was the first picture he ever played in. Thank you, and good night. Good night, Bill. Good night. This is a high point of the evening. The moment when we present tonight's stars, not as characters in a play, but as two of Hollywood's supreme favorites. Gene Harlow, and Robert Taylor. Thank you, Mr. DeMille. I'm glad you said nothing about glamour in your introduction. If you had, I'm afraid I would have screamed. Why don't you, glamour Oh, girl? Taylor! You, 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 you scream almost as well as you scream. Very poor pun, Mr. DeMille. <laughs> well, then, then may I have your autograph? Mm-hmm. Bob is the one who does that. Just last week, he visited his alma mater at Pomona College... The co-ed almost tore him to pieces trying to get him to sign things. Yeah. One one girl couldn't find anything for me to sign except for examination paper. I was a little disappointed when I saw it was Mark D in economics. <laughs> However, uh, you've been in Hollywood nearly 25 years, Mr. DeMille. What is it that turns nice, peaceful people into autograph hunters? I've asked them that, Bob. <laughs> the, most, the most sensible answer I ever received was from a young lady who said... Uh, I don't care about your autograph, Mr. DeMille. I just wanted to see how, what you look like. <laughs> well, Hollywood is unique for a number of things beside autograph hunters. Out here, you can take life a lot easier. Uh, there's just as much hard work done in Hollywood as any other town. Now, you drop into any place like the Brown Derby, you find half the girls in faultless evening dress and half in slacks and sweaters, but nobody feels ill at ease. If you're invited to someone's home for a seven o'clock dinner, you arrive at nine and you find you're early. <laughs> But the only thing that really puts on a show in Hollywood is a hamburger sandwich, and they're served with pecans and walnuts, and... Well, this is a town that is also constantly bubbling over with new ideas. Hundreds of them come and go every week. But as far as keeping a lovely complexion is concerned, the actresses, including myself, have just one idea, and that's to use Lux Toilet Soap. <laughs> oh, and yes, Hollywood is probably the only town where a kiss is measured in feet. Uh, five feet of film for a peck, and... Uh, 
85 feet for the real thing. <laughs> now, the, the strangest case I've seen in pictures was that film the other day at Paramount. Marsha Hunt and Leif Erickson playing in College Holiday were the participants. And the scene of action was the bottom of a tank filled with 40,000 gallons of water. Ducky, I call it. Oh, that's worse, <laughs> that's worse than mine. <laughs> well, Robert, any further remarks? None, Jean, except my thanks to the Lux Radio Theater for another swell evening. And mine, too, Mr. DeMille. It really was a privilege to be here. Good night. Good night, Jean. Good night. Good night, Bob. Thank you, Miss Harlow, and thank you, Robert Taylor. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your announcer, Melville Ruick. May I say that our stars tonight came to us through courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer Studios. Miss Harlow will next be seen with Wallace Beery and Spencer Tracy in The Foundry. Mr. Taylor in Camille with Greta Garbo. Mr. Raines appeared through courtesy of Warner Brothers Pictures. His next picture is Stolen Holiday with Kay Francis while C. Henry Gordon is currently seen in the charge of the Light Brigade. Mr. DeMille is from Paramount, and Mr. Silver's 20th Century Fox, where he was in charge of music for the new film Banjo on My Knee. Our cast tonight included Lou Merrill as Lefebvre, William Royal as the General and Constant, Corinne Ross as Madame Savary, Sarah Selby as Elisa, Phyllis Coglin as Carolyn, Gretchen Thomas as Marie, Frank Nelson as Rustan, Ken Chevelle as a footman, David Kerman as a guard, James Eagles as a sergeant, Ross Forrester as a patriot, Charles Emerson as citizen, and George Finney as citizen Dupre. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.